Scishow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome to SciShow Tangents. It's the Lightly Competitive Science Knowledge Showcase. I'm your host, Hank Green, and joining me this week, as always, is science expert and Forbes 30 Under 30 Education Luminary, Sari Riley. Still 29. <laughs> and our resident everyman, Sam Schultz. Hey, man. All right. There's a, I, I've never seen this before, but the show flow actually has a suggestion. Is that because I we talked about this last time? Yeah, and you said we should talk about it this time. It's been a long time since the last recording. It's now 2020, whatever it is. Is it for 2024? Is that the one yeah, that we're in? That's the okay. one. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. As, as long as you upload this fairly soon. The question <laughs> is, what is the oldest thing in your freezer? And I brought this up because I have chicken breast in my freezer that's so old that it moved with me from my old house to my new house for some reason. <laughs> and and it's probably like four years old and I'm too afraid you to throw it away. You should probably throw away I'm that I'm too scared. Breast. What's going to happen when it thaws out? Is it going to do like Indiana Jones? This is the time face? of the year to throw away oh, cold, cold stuff because it doesn't melt before it leaves. Yeah. Sometimes when you throw away stinky stuff, do you think, it's your problem now, garbage man? Because I think about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But winter is a great time to throw the nasty stuff away. Yeah, So frozen solid. And the garbage man won't even smell it, maybe. He'll never know until it's too late. I feel like frozen things can't smell bad. 
which has to be wrong. But that's how I feel. I mean, I agree completely. I feel like, yeah. I feel like there's a temperature you can get it to where it definitely doesn't smell anymore. You know, like 0.3 above absolute zero. There's no smell coming off of that. Oh, this would have been great. All the VOCs are solid rocks. This would have been a great thing to know for our last episode on refrigeration. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably why we were talking about it. Sarah, what's the oldest thing in your freezer? There was one point where... Sylvia and I were eating a lot of like food that we needed a little bread on the side. And so we bought too much of Costco's like mini non bread packs. Oh, At one point yeah. we had, I think three <laughs> right. in our freezer. And so we still have like one and a half of those packs that are definitely probably got them towards the beginning of moving here. So like two, a year and a half. Non's a good one. Non ages well, better than chicken. Yeah, you could still yeah. do it. I think mine, I mean, my, the actual answer is got to be the ice cubes at the back, right? Yeah. They're, they're mm-hmm. just, you're never getting to those ice cubes. Like it's just the, the ice cube container is made of ice cubes. And then inside of the ice cube, ice cube container, there are the ice cubes that I use. The ice cube container you know? is made of ice cubes. No. So there's the ice cube container that's made of plastic, but inside of that, there is a further ice cube container that is made of ice cubes that are too connected oh, to each other to separate yes, from one yes, another. Yes, and on top of that, there are the usable ice cubes, <laughs> and those ones get rotated through fairly quickly. Right. But the, the the interior ice cube tray that's made of fused together ice cubes, those ones have been in there since day one. And they deserve to stay there too, I think. Yeah, they're they're just holding on to thermal mass. Can I still eat this chicken? Would it be bad? I'm sure you could still eat it. I think it would taste bad. I, it depends on how, I think... Also, how well it was sealed. Sarah, do you think, are you worried that maybe he can't eat it safely? No, I don't think so. I think think it would taste bad, but I don't know. I'm I'm not a food scientist. I'm almost certain it would taste bad, but but I'm not certain that it wouldn't do you any harm. It it might. So you should Google that first. Or you can just eat it. (laughs) (laughs) People have definitely eaten older things stored in less cold places. Uh My favorite topic of all time, bog butter. Bog butter. I love bog butter as a concept. Google says, Eve posts, you may be surprised to learn that you can store raw chicken in the freezer forever, according to the USDA. (laughs) But I don't trust Google anymore because they, (laughs) if that's when it pops up, that's an AI. That's, AI. that's like a Markov chain. It's wild to yeah. be living in a world where Google has gotten worse for the last like 10 years in a row and then got like way worse all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can't trust what is pulled up as the suggested result. So like that could not even be something that a, the USDA said. They could just tack those words together according yeah. to the USDA yeah. and it could not be true. <laughs> And that's why you need us here at Sasho Tangent. There's words coming out of our human mouths. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, where we really try our best not to lie to you, except for when we lie to each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up amaze and delight each other with science facts while trying to stay on topic. Our panelists are playing for glory and uh, sometimes for Hank Bucks. <laughs> or not. <laughs> There's a winner at the end is the important thing. At the end, Mm -hmm. one of these two jackasses is going to (laughs) win. And the other one's going to feel bad. Now, as always, we're going to introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem. This week, for me, there are only two places that I can imagine where there is nothing to see. 
Photons have this mysterious way of traveling infinitely, unless they hit something that absorbs them, which will eventually happen. And if you're far enough underground or sea, well, I think you can imagine. But on the surface, surrounded by space, there's always light out there. A hundred billion trillion stars will be shimmering in the air. You cannot be on the surface of a planet or floating out in space and experience a lack of photons falling on your face. And if they're hitting your face, then they're hitting your eyes too. A couple of EM wave detectors that you made just for you. But what about a place in space that's very far from ours, where light years of nearly empty space is enough to block the stars? Intergalactic voids are destinations not to be missed. You might be fooled to think this a universe where only you exist. The topic for the day is darkness. Do those exist? Places so far away that there's no light in them? Yeah. I mean, I bet if you had like a telescope, you could see some stuff. Uh, but unless you like happened to be nearby a wandering star, uh, there, like if you're in the middle of, I think it's called the Bwodi's Void or something. And yeah, that's the biggest one we know about. And it's like a space in between galaxies. And the way that uh. gravity works is it pulls things out of areas to collect together into this like web of stuff throughout the universe. And it leaves these big empty voids. And if you were in the middle of one, You'd be so far from any galaxy that you wouldn't be able to see any galaxy because it would be blocked out by all the very, very tiny amounts of dust in space. Eesh. That sounds bad. Yeah, I wouldn't. I I don't. I wouldn't want to. I think it'd be really hard to get there, and then also the trip back would be quite long. <laughs> like a bunch of reasons not to yeah. go. Yeah, I think whoever's mm-hmm. bringing you there is gonna leave you there probably. Yeah. Yeah, and it's beyond peaceful. Like it's it's at the point where. Like going into a sensory deprivation tank or, <laughs> right. or one of those rooms with very little sound. It's like it, mm-hmm. it'll be too eerie to be in the void. It sounds okay. Like sometimes I do want to crawl into a void, no. but not that void. There wouldn't be any light to see yourself with either, which is very strange. So, which I guess is true in a cave. Have you ever been in a cave with no light? Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Uncomfortable. Yeah. It's very That's true. Like you lose every sense of orientation. Yeah, like you close and open your eyes and it's the exact same. Bad. It's a bad feeling, actually. Yeah, not comforting <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. Is it totally dark in the, in the womb? Mm, good question. I bet I bet some light could get through. Hmm. We'll have to ask a baby. We'll have to ask a baby. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your skin is trans... Like the fact that you can see your veins through your skin and yeah. the fact that you can like... A baby can kick and you can see the impression of the foot. But the skin uh-huh. is not going to be that, that thick. There must be some yeah. amount. This Atlantic article says it is dark in the womb, but not that dark. so whatever that means to you imagine that amount of darkness Mm -hmm. yeah okay okay darker than outside of the womb potentially (laughs) (laughs) depending on where you are so sorry what is darkness you did a really good job i think in your poem just talking about it and i think beyond that we don't really know like darkness refers to a lot of different things when you start getting on the scale of less light, like you can have a dark room, but you can, your eyes can kind of adjust and you can still kind of see because mm-hmm. there's ambient light around, or you can have a void in space, which is like actually, or, or the inside of a cave, which is super, super dark. We're like nighttime is dark, but relative to daytime, but we can still see at night. 
Mm-hmm. And so darkness mm-hmm. is, yeah. is a spectrum. But there is perfect dark. Like complete darkness does exist. You can't arrive at a place with no visible light. Yes. So there's a wall that you end up with where it's like zero photons. And that's, you know, the bottom of the ocean. That's another place that that's doesn't weird. seem comforting at all to me. That seems so close <laughs> to be that, to be zero light. There's a lot of stuff in the way. Yeah. The only mm. light is from animals, which is very cool. Where did this word come from, Sari? Dark, yeah. Dark. So dark. much like the the mysterious connotations of dark, the origins of dark are also kind of mysterious. It's had similar sounding words for a while, like Middle English dirk uh, <laughs> became dark. And Old English, I think, also kind of dirk was without light or lacking light or brightness. So, so the word dark has been around, but we've had other words for darkness and for dark things, um, specifically of Germanic origins. Old High German Tarkinen was to conceal, uh-huh. and then that became Old English, like alternate. So you had dirk and dark, but then you also had thirk mm. and uh, thester, which meant oh. darkness, which weird. is very weird to me. But like the same thing, like having little or no light or sinful or obscure. And I don't know why. I think dark went out probably just because it sounds better. This is now me just editorializing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you had like, can you imagine us walking around and being like, it's sure thirk oh, outside. It's getting so thester out here. We better go yeah. outside. <laughs> <laughs> is it thirk in the womb? Thirk <laughs> <laughs> in the womb? I... <laughs> I like, I mean, I like Dirk. That's great. Dirk is pretty fun. These yeah. are all good names. Dirk is actually a name, but I could also see a, name, <laughs> a child being named Thester. Thester that sounds that. amazing. This can be like our, uh, I was going to say band name, but I can't pick, pick a genre because I don't know anything. Like an emo band <laughs> with all darkness. Yeah. We can be, uh-huh. we can be uh, Thester and I think Thirk Thester would be more, that would be more of a death metal band, unfortunately. Sorry. Thester not does an, seem kind of death metally, unless an it's like, Fester and the Dirks, then, then, <laughs> then who knows? Yeah, it could be. Then, yeah, then really who knows? It could be like a swing band like or could... something. Like one of those 90s. <laughs> when swing was back in the 90s for a while. Could be yeah, like... dark swing. <laughs> okay, this is interesting. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now we know what we're talking about. It's time to move on to the quiz portion of our show. And the quiz portion of our show is today, the gauntlet. My legacy. St- yeah, <laughs> my nemesis. I've never scored positive, I think. So here in the Northern Hemisphere, the days get shorter and shorter through December until we finally hit the winter solstice, which is when we have the longest night of the year. Of course, we should note that while we're having winter solstice in the North, the South is having their summer solstice. But today, we're going to be focusing on the winter sol- solstice, Northern Hemisphere version, as we put it through the gauntlet. Here's the rules. There is a series of seven questions of decreasing difficulty. I will be directing the questions to you in order from seven to one, asking just one of you at a time, and you can choose whether to answer or pass. If you answer and are correct, you will be given that number of points, the same number of points as the question. So question number seven gives you seven points. If you're wrong, you will lose that number of points and your opponent can steal for that same point. But if they're wrong, they don't lose any points. Why? It's the gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> if you pass, your opponent will get asked the next question and they won't get a chance to steal. Just <laughs> feel like I'm playing Magic the Gathering right now, which 
Uh, and then the next question will be a little less difficult, according to Deboki Chakravarti. After we've gone through all the questions, we will revisit the past questions, only this time they cannot be skipped. If you get the answer wrong, you won't lose any point, points, but your opponent can steal from you. And remember to pay attention to all the questions, because you might get some clues to help you out with those harder ones. Are you ready to play? I'm always ready to play the gauntlet. My life, <laughs> my life is the gauntlet, basically. <laughs> Question number seven. We're going to give it to Sam. Does that sound good? Oh, hell yeah. The winter solstice generally falls between December 20th and December 23rd, though it usually occurs either on the 21st or the 22nd. The next solstice on December 20th will be in 2080. In what century will the next December 23rd winter solstice be? What? I don't know. I don't even want to try to figure this one out. So I pass. Probably for the best. <laughs> you have to guess a century, and I don't think that you lose points if you try, Sari. Um, the no 20... No. Okay. Fourth century. <gasps> did I get Wait, it? No, I don't think you did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, which one is the... Which, what year would that be? The 2300s. Yeah, that, the that's correct. Yes. That's right. That's right, Sari. Damn. Wow. Congratulations. New you year, new me. Good at the gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> then this is wild but the next december 23rd solstice will be in 2303 we'll all be dead yeah we will all we will all be dead maybe but our but our ai yeah. modeled counterparts will be podcasting about it <laughs> i like that you know i was just thinking that maybe instead of my my body i want them to put all my stuff in my casket oh and where oh. would your body go Science. <laughs> what? Yeah. You want you want to keep all your stuff from other people getting it? Why? No, not like. Well, look, look. You, I don't know if your parents are at the stage yet where they start giving you all their oh stuff. Oh my gosh! Yeah. But nobody wants your stuff. <laughs> my wife's mom has started giving her baby pictures of herself, baby albums of herself. You don't want that. You don't want what? Rachel's baby pictures? I think that's Why? adorable. I love baby Catherine pictures. Her mom's just done with them. She's just like, nah, I don't want these anymore. <laughs> What's that all about? Yeah, that's a little bit. Yeah. I have so much stuff. I just want I want there to be a place where I get buried, but I also want them to be able to see what's up on the inside. This is what he, the, it, the from me. pharaohs of Egypt would do. Hank, you want a pyramid. Yeah, but like, <laughs> it's like, you know, Pizza John uh, pizza cutters. Uh, yeah. Like, we're building just, you. We're building you a yeah. pyramid, Hank. That's the, that's the bottom line. <laughs> but do you want people to see it? Is it like a museum then? No, then no, it, no, 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 no. Okay, Just then definitely under... pyramid. Yeah. yeah, you can't go in the pyramid. Someday somebody no, will, yeah. and they'll say, what's all this crap? Like, I thought we were digging up a body. <laughs> yeah. I wanted bones, dang it. What's this, what's this old pizza cutter and this Minecraft slap bracelet doing here? <laughs> and then they'll open up the Minecraft slap bracelet and be, like, be like, no wow, way. <laughs> Freaking tape measure. <laughs> this, this, this was this was all worth it. They make them in a tape measure. <laughs> the archaeological find of the twenty second century. That's a hundred right. years from now. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. See, that's why I didn't want to yeah. guess. That's why I didn't want to guess. That century. <laughs> we've forgotten where we've come from. Yeah. The last tape measure to ever exist. Well, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. This might be the last year we make tape measures. Yeah. Okay, next question in the gauntlet. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ceri. For almost a decade, the European Space Agency monitored the sun's activity using an instrument called SOLAR. But that's all capitals, so it stands for something. SOLAR, I don't know what. SOLAR was on board a <laughs> spacecraft that allowed it to see the sun for about 14 days in a row before the spacecraft's orientation changed and blocked SOLAR's view for a period of up to 25 days. But around the summer and winter solstices, this blackout period was shorter thanks to the position of the sun. How long was SOLAR's view of the sun blocked? around the winter solstice. Just name a number that's less than 25. Yeah. Well, that's basically what I did with the centuries too, but that's I'm going to pass. Yeah, it worked. You're going to pass. Oh yeah, because you could lose points. Yeah. 20, lose. 23. It's great, Sam, but it's not right. Okay. It's eight days. Eight days is the answer. It was mm. installed in 2008 and it was meant to operate for 18 months, but it performed so well that it wasn't turned off until 2017. Wow. Good job, buddy. But you have a chance to redeem yourself with this one. In 2012, <laughs> scientists working on the solar experiment wanted to take advantage of the eight-day blackout period near the solstice to see if they could watch the sun for longer. To accomplish their goal, they would need to reorient the spacecraft that solar was based on. What was that spacecraft? Uh, I don't know. I pass. Understandable choice. The Hubble telescope? That's what I was going to say. No, it was the International Space Station, which is quite oh. kind of similar, oh. a, a similar vibe. You know, one of the one of the big famous ones. Uh -huh. yeah. I would have assumed that it'd be on one of the spacecraft that went close to the sun, but no, it's just mm. watching from here. All right, Sari, here's question number four. The winter solstice refers to the specific moment when the sun is directly above the Earth at a latitude of approximately twenty two point five degrees south. What is that latitude? better known as oh no it's the tropic of i got two guesses capricorn yes oh what <laughs> <laughs> i had the other one He's in the chamber ready to go the gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed colder the, the capricorn one is the is like the winter zodiac sign yeah it kind of feels cool Cancer yeah. seems quite hot. It's a crab, and the crabs live in the, the hotter place. You know? <laughs> live in the beach <laughs> life, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, what is a Capricorn? Anybody? A mermaid goat? Is it a goatfish? Goat. A goatfish needs all its hair to stay warm in the north. Is it just a goat, or have I have I have I invented the mermaid part of it? No, <laughs> no. It says it's a sea goat. It has the body of a goat and the tail of a fish. Yeah, it's nice. a Capri corn, like a Capri Sun. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's corn inside. <laughs> That's <laughs> a fruit juice. It's like a boba tea where you just suck oh, up corn. Hey, come on. <laughs> I would try it. Oh, like a yeah. boba tea with corn? Corn's good. <laughs> We're going to drink them during yeah. pee eh? Boba tea with corn, but instead of boba tea, it's just Coca-Cola. That's oh, what with, <laughs> try it. With corn kernels in it? Yeah! Okay. Hell yeah! That's okay. Capri Blossoms coming up soon. <laughs> okay. I'm excited to try a good old Capri corn. Yeah. Oh. Sam and I are hosting a segment, oh. and it'll be right before one of yours, Hank. So uh, We can we overlap can a little and try we'll Capri corn. With we'll our Capri corn. Projectile vomit. <laughs> that sounds not bad to me i bet it's gonna be fine i like both of those things so yeah what can go wrong canned corn it's amazing i have yeah. boba tea straws in my house ready to go question mm -hmm. number three which is for sam 
A group of scientists studying Arctic reindeer wanted to see how seasons affect a reflective surface in the reindeer's eye called the mm, tapetum lucidum, mm. possibly. And that, that it acts like a mirror that sends light back to the retina, basically giving eyes another chance to capture those photons. They compared the color of this structure in the reindeer's eyes around the summer and winter solstices, finding that the tapetum lucidum were different colors at these periods. What color was it during the winter solstice? Me filter out. What color would it be filtering out? Blue. It's blue. Hey! Holy moly, yes. you guys! During the summer solstice, it was gold. Which also oh, seems warm. Wet beautiful. seems warm and blue seems cold. It makes sense. Very but appropriate. Not, I can't imagine for, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be a reindeer. I think very few people do. <laughs> yeah. And all reindeers, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sari, question number two. In addition to watching strange eye structures turn blue, scientists have studied the effect of seasonal shifts on a number of other animals. Various studies have looked at animals during the summer and winter solstices, including hamsters, emperor penguins, goats, and Antarctica-based humans. The methods used in these studies vary, but they all measure a hormone that is produced in response to darkness. What is that hormone? Oh, I used to know this. Um, shoot. Is it is melatonin? There it is. Okay. Uh, I, feel, I thought maybe that you were going to have a classic knows too much moment there. Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had melanin in my head and I was like, it's not that. It's not. It's an M word. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Those are different things. Yep. Uh, it's produced by the brain and it helps with keeping timing of our circadian rhythm. And uh, people often will take it as a supplement to try and fall asleep which I think probably uh, works to some amount. And for Sam, question number one. While in the modern day, we might acknowledge the solstice by turning around international space stations, humans have built other magnificent structures that seem to honor the solstice. One famous but mysterious site in England features a set of stones whose opening lines up with the rays of the sun setting during the winter oh, sol wait. solstice. What is that structure? Stonehenge? Yeah, that one. One point, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not. Yeah, you did. You have. You got other ones too, though. All right. Now you might be thinking to yourself, "I think that Hank did the gauntlet wrong," and you're right. I, we broke a couple of rules this time. That's part of the gauntlet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> not doing it the it's same living, every time. It's a living document. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, but I, th I think that that. If we follow the rules of the gauntlet from where we are right now, we didn't have any questions that got passed. I think you're right. That we're done. Okay. Sam, we came out of that with you with a positive four, which is frankly excellent. Great score, yeah. But not as good as Sari's plus really 13. Standing performance. Incredible. You did a good job. Next up, we're going to take a short break, and then it will be time for the fact off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. 
Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary-defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, They sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks, and we've been sharing around the office of their MGO 850+, their best-selling honey. It's not the same. (laughs) It's not (laughs) what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 plus Manuka honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's manukora.com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome back, everybody. Get ready for the fact off. Our panelists have brought science facts to present to me in an attempt to blow my mind. After they have presented their facts, I will judge them and award Hank Bucks any way I see fit. To decide who goes first, I have a trivia question. As we established in the gauntlet, next winter solstice to take place on December 23rd won't happen until the year 2303. But when? 
was the last December 23rd solstice. What is this obsession with the December 23rd? I think it's amazing. This is the kind of thing that somebody like you would come up to me at a party and say, did you know this? (laughs) And I would say, I don't, I can't even comprehend what you're talking about right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was in 1901. Great guess. Great guess. Seventeen fifty-two. Too long ago. Too long ago. Guess both of those are right in the range of of when I would have guessed. Oh my God, Sam! Oh wow! The answer is nineteen oh three. That's right. Okay, you just poo pooed that, but you were the one with the trivia the whole time. You'd be like, <laughs> after Hank tells I've, you that fun fact, but you're like, Psh, I already knew that. Did you know the last I've, one? <laughs> I've read every newspaper ever printed, and I remember them approximately. So that's why I got it that close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done, Sam. That means that you get to go first. If you don't know jack shit about anything else, you know this one thing. Carrots help you see better at night. I assume that I know this because of cartoons. But overall, if you exist in American culture, you have absorbed the information that carrots can help you see good at night. Uh, Basically, have you guys both heard this before? Yes. 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 It's nearly as basic a piece of information as the last December 23rd solstice. (laughs) Okay, Mm -hmm. you're right. Or how dark it is in the womb. Uh-huh. Not too dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even really, in my opinion, particularly useful information because we have flashlights nowadays. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, did this info come from pre-flashlight caveman times? And more importantly, is it even true? So I'll tackle that last part first. And the answer is sort of. Carrots are full oh. of vitamin A, an essential nutrient that helps a lot of body functions like the immune system. But vitamin A is also vital for eye health. So opsins are a group of light-sensitive proteins that hang out in your retina, turning light into signals that are sent to the brain. And vitamin A is an important ingredient in rhodopsins, which are opsins that are extra sensitive to light and help with low light vision. Vitamin A is also important for keeping your corneas, which are the outermost layer of your eye, healthy, and deficiencies in vitamin A can lead to blindness. So carrots literally do help you see in the dark because they help you see, period. But anything with vitamin A Uh. in it would do exactly the same. So carrots aren't special. Plus, the thing is that carrots are supposed to help you see better in the dark, and that part is not true. No amount of carrot eating will, like, supercharge how many rhodopsins that you have. And one study I saw even correlated high carrot consumption with worse night vision, but the conclusion there was that people with bad night vision were eating more carrots than normal to try to correct it. So... Then it didn't work. So there you go. Is that for real? (laughs) Yeah. That's wild. Um, Yeah. But as to where this idea came from, it's kind of tricky to suss out. So there's this very romantic story all over the internet that in World War II, the British Royal Air Force purposefully spread the rumor that carrots helped their pilots see better in the dark as a way to hide the top secret radar technology that helped them detect German bombers. They were like, we don't have new fancy tech. We got carrots. You got some carrots. Yep. But the truth of the matter seems to be that the Germans knew about the radar. That was not like they just had like radios that they could listen to and say, oh, they got radar. Mm -hmm. But there are World War II era posters where it has like a soldier who's saying like carrots help me see good in the dark. So why did those exist? 
The other predominant story is that when England was under blockade by German U-boats, they couldn't import food and they had to turn to things that they could grow themselves to eat like carrots. But apparently British people at the time hated carrots. So the Ministry (laughs) of Food, possibly inspired maybe by the Rhodopsin science that I just told you about, turned carrots into a war hero by saying that they helped pilots and soldiers see in the dark and more effectively fight at night. So British people started growing shitloads of carrots, I guess, according to one article I read, 300% more than before the war, and they started making all kinds of food with them, which incidentally led to the resurgence in popularity of carrot cake. So, (laughs) I guess, we all think that carrots make us see better at night because of World War II propaganda, but that answer is very unsatisfying to me because it seems like a huge reach that the Ministry of Food would say, vitamin A helps with your eyes, carrots have vitamin A, carrots help our brave boys see in the dark. That's just not very compelling (laughs) to me, in my opinion. So I feel like the answer is still out there. We don't know. I mean, that totally compels me. That seems like exactly something that the government I would guess. do. Be like, we need to grow more carrots. Lie. <laughs> well, yeah. I <laughs> lie mean, to that, the Germans and lie to the people. Tell them the same lie. That's true. Uh, well, that way the Germans maybe are more likely to believe it if all the normal people believe it too. <laughs> the normal people. <laughs> Just the citizenry. Yeah. The right. non-Germans. I got the locals. You. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Sam, that is very strange and also contains some science. (laughs) Well, a little bit at the beginning there with the eye stuff. (laughs) It's social science, Hank. (laughs) Sari, what you got for us? Okay. So the three of us have all lived with dogs at some point in our lives. You know that thing when a dog knows it's being disobedient but thinks you won't notice? Like when you're in another room and then you hear a crash and then someone has dragged a pizza box off the counter and I don't know who could be the criminal here, but certainly not the cute dog with pizza (laughs) sauce all over their mouth. Yeah. My goal with this fact is not to anthropomorphize dogs and their gremlin behavior, but uh, there have been a lot of studies from behavioral psychologists. Gremlin promorphized dogs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But humans are fascinated by our little dog companions. um, And so behavioral psychologists have done studies about how domestic dogs understand when and how humans are paying attention to them. So, for example, there are studies where humans put food in front of dogs, tell them not to eat that food. And then maintain eye contact or close their eyes or face another direction or look another direction. And the dogs are less likely to disobey them when there's clear attention and visibility of human eyes. So when they're being watched, they're less likely Mm -hmm. to disobey. So one psychology researcher who does a lot of her work with dogs, uh, Dr. Julianne Kaminsky, published a study with her team in November 2012 where they did a set of three experiments trying to test dogs' obedience in the darkness. So whether dogs will behave differently with a human in the room when it's dark. And so in one of the three tests, there were 28 dogs included in the data analysis, all over one year old, so not puppy puppies. And the four test conditions were complete darkness, um, the experimenter's face, who is the person telling them not to eat the food, being lit now, up. how did they get to complete darkness? Okay, yeah, that's, that's true. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's they probably... go to a cave to the bottom of the ocean or to the middle of the Buodi's void? Where was it? <laughs> Asterisk. Less dark than the womb. Uh, like a, a room with garbage bags, I think, was, yeah, was okay. level. Not Vanta uh, Black, darkness, etc. The experimenter's face being lit up, the food being lit up, and both the experimenter and the food being lit up. So like, oh. uh-huh. And according to their results, the dogs took the food more often 
and more quickly in the total darkness condition than any of the others. And they took the food less often and more slowly in the double light condition, both by a statistically significant amount. And to like avoid conflict um, or to like take out confounding variables. Another one of the experiments, they tested 12 dogs in a light or dark room where a human left them with a little food, um, telling them not to eat it. And the dogs took the food in almost all the cases, which showed that the dogs aren't avoiding light or dark food in general, something about Mm -hmm. the combination of a human being in the room and the light. And then the third test was similar to the first, just with different variations of light intensity. So like a brighter light or a farther away light that's dimmer. So basically, the overall suggestion of the paper is that dogs may understand that light on the food means that a human can see them eating it which informs their decision to steal it or not. And they're more likely to be little gremlins and steal food <laughs> in the wow. dark. And I think it's very delightful that scientists are out here designing all these carefully controlled studies <laughs> to get a, as much of an objective perspective as possible about what animals do or don't understand they're, about our perception. They're bad boys. They're naughty. They know. They're like, they know. Mom, mom has bad eyes in the dark. And so I'm going to go over here and go. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear that. Yeah. I people there, there's there's a line I feel like and I guess the 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 way to solve the the existence of the line is just to be like let's just pretend there isn't. But there there is a line past which it's like the dog does have thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, like the dog is thinking and the dog has a has a picture of the universe in its head. Of course, because we can't talk to them or ask them, the the sort of like objective thing is to be like, well, we can't say that for sure. But like, my dog knows I exist. Mm -hmm. I don't have a dog. But like, (laughs) when I had one, even dogs I don't know, if I'm just walking (laughs) past them, they know I exist. There's that guy. That guy's (laughs) famous. (laughs) (laughs) Is that from Dimension 20? But yes, we shouldn't anthropomorphize dogs. But I do want to dog-apomorphize them. Like, they yeah. are beings. They're entities. They're know? having their little yeah. sneaky thoughts. Yeah. Saying, I'm gonna, I will take the pizza. I have two cats, and one of them has thoughts, and the other one doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing in there. <laughs> yeah. So I get to choose between carrots talking a bigger game than they play, or dogs are more likely to steal food uh, disobediently when they're in the dark. And it's just a cuter fact. And Sari also had a thousand more points than Sam. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't <laughs> so really be right. So the win for the day goes <laughs> to Sari Riley. All right. Well, in addition to playing the gauntlet me poorly, you guys did great. We also screwed around way too much and we are way (laughs) over time so we're gonna skip the science couch if you want science couch questions and answers though the patreon has those not just recent ones but you can go down into the archive and get a bunch of us answering science questions so if you're left feeling like empty because you didn't get the whole episode of tangents Maybe I want you to experience a little bit of that emptiness when you become a patron. That's right. Because we'll have a whole episode on dark questions that we're answering. So, And we'll pop this one in there, too. And you can listen about how minions peeing and stuff like that. Yeah, we're recording that this week. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to watch minions with you guys. Me too. I've never seen a a single millisecond of any minions anything. So who knows? (laughs) Me neither. I have no context for it. You've never even seen Despicable Me? No. No. 
Wow. We don't have kids. And I was just I too old. I did that before kids. I was too oh. old and cool to see this fickle movie. <laughs> no, I was I was not I was old but not cool. So it's fun. I'm s i am I can not wait. You guys are gonna love it. Despicable with me was twenty ten. I was in college in twenty ten, my friends. You don't wanna know what I was doing in twenty ten. You know what I was doing twenty. I was studying for school. <laughs> I was Is too that your busy. Minion voice? No, the minions <laughs> yeah. sound like little guy. That's your. It's the guy. They sound like this. But they say bananas. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bananas. Hey, yeah, in that voice. Hey, bananas. Hey, bananas. <laughs> hey, I'm a minion. <laughs> this is why we can't answer the science couch question. We're screwing around too much. <laughs> If you want to, if you like this show and you want to help us out, uh, first of all, you can join our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash scishowtangents. A lot of people have done that because it's a good user experience. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be the whole commentary is us just trying to say the grew lines in our best accent. We're going to get really good at grill impressions by the end of the the commentary. Um, Yeah, the Patreon is there. It's always waiting for you. And it's just a heck of a fun place to be. Um, So join us. And a special shout out to patron Les Aker for their support. Second, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. We have so many ratings on Spotify, you guys. It feels good. It was good to see all those ratings. Makes me feel like people like our show which I think you do. Uh, it also helps us know what you like about the show if you're able to type words in. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell, tell people, people about, about us. us. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sigri Riley. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Jess Stempert. Our associate producer is Eve Schmidt. Our editor is Seth Glitzman. Our social media organizer is Julia Buzz-Bazile. Our editorial assistant is Tapoki Chakravarti. Our sound design is by Joseph Medish. Our executive producers are Nicole Sweeney and me, Hank Green. And of course, we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. Wherever there are humans, there's also human poop. And in places without sewer systems, the infrastructure to deal with all this waste is currently called fecal sludge management. But there have been plenty of euphemisms for this kind of work throughout human history. Around the 1300s, anyone who cleaned out latrines in the UK was called a gong farmer because gong (laughs) meant the bathroom and the stuff inside. What? The gong. I'm going to the gong. Is that what you would say? (laughs) To do what? To use the gong? What is the... And the stuff inside. Produce what is that gong. Mean? Yeah, you're going to gong gonna, to produce gong. I'm going to gong in the gong dong. right now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonging in here. But around the 1700s, we English speakers switched to using the term night men or night soil men because they'd remove the stinky excrement under the cover of darkness. And sometimes it went to farms as fertilizer. While many countries have historically had more robust waste to fertilizer systems, in the UK and US, night soil was more often than not just dumped into the nearest body of water which was as unsanitary as it sounds yeah don't do that don't gong in the water that you're drinking from yeah it's called a river not a gong not a gonger